Welcome to Econ on the Go. Let's turn our attention back to the supply curve and start to delve a little deeper into exactly why the supply curve slopes up. We're going to start with production technology, which to economists just means the way in which we take our inputs and translate them into outputs that we can sell on the market. So technology can include digital software and hardware, but it doesn't have to. Technology is just the relationship between how we take inputs and turn them into outputs. Because we're talking about how we produce goods and services, this is the domain of the chief operating officer, the COO. So what we're talking about today is the COO's domain. We simplify in economics by only including two types of inputs, labor and capital. Labor is anything that varies in the short run, while capital is fixed in the short run. So think about labor as workers that I can hire or let go on a moment's notice. I hire them per hour. If I have enough work to do, I will keep hiring them and keep paying them. But if I don't have enough work, I will tell them that they can stay home and that they don't need to show up and therefore I don't have to pay them. But labor also includes all kinds of things like raw materials and electric utilities that I don't have to use if I'm not producing. Capital is fixed in the short run and is something I have to use regardless of whether I'm producing. So plant property and equipment, salaried employees are all capital because they're fixed in the short run. I can't change them until I get to the long run. The example that we used in class was digging ditches. When we're digging ditches, the workers that are digging are labor and the capital are the shovels. And it's a very simplistic type of production technology, but it's helpful to distill everything that we could think of for the most complicated kind of production technology, like producing an iPhone or uh, producing a Tesla automobile down to something which is very simple. We can describe production technologies as either a function, a table, or a graph. Production functions are mathematical equations where Q, quantity, our output, is equal to some combination of L and K. And the combination is just a mathematical equation. It could be L times K, L plus K, L to the power K, anything that is a mathematical equation of how L and K determine Q. Production tables are big spreadsheets of output values where the rows and the columns represent capital or labor. So you look up the row of the amount of labor you're using, you look up the column of the amount of capital you're using, and at the intersection of those two in the spreadsheet is the total amount of output that you can produce, which is essentially just the calculation of the production function underlying that table. Production graphs are called isoquant lines. They're graphed on a capital and labor axis, capital on the vertical axis, labor on the horizontal axis, and the curves represent possible combinations of labor and capital that create the same, or ISO, amount or quantity of the product or service. So ISO quant means same amount, and the lines are just combinations of capital and labor that are read off the axes that create the same amount of output of the product or service. And again, that production graph is based on the production function that we talked about at the very beginning. They are all related to each other, just different ways of visualizing them. An important concept in production technology is the marginal product of labor. It is the incremental output you get when you change labor by a small amount. And so it's a derivative, and we call that DQDL, the change in quantity when we change labor by small amounts. 
The marginal product of capital is the change in output when you change capital, but this only applies in the long run because again, in the short run, we can't change capital, only labor. Now, the law of diminishing returns, which is our third law of economics, says that eventually the marginal product of labor, or the MPL, starts to decrease. It does not have to be negative, but it gets smaller for increases in labor. So as I have one worker digging in the ditch, they may produce, say, 10 meters of ditch dug in an hour. But if I add a second worker, I now get 30 total meters, which means the second worker added 20 incremental meters to my ditch. And that's because I can specialize. I can have them trade off time working so that they can get rest. Lots of different ways in which I can get them to be more productive. But as I add more and more and more and more workers, eventually they're going to get in each other's way. And that last worker I add is not going to add many incremental meters to my ditch. So the marginal addition of that last laborer is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. It may not be negative. My ditch may not get smaller, but they're not going to add as much as the previous workers that I add. And as we described in that example, the marginal product of labor typically increases initially, but then decreases after some point. Another related topic, which is important to think about with production, is the average product of labor, which is sometimes called labor productivity. This is just total output Q divided by total labor L. It's the average amount of output that each worker contributes. So think of the ditch digging. If I have 30 meters and two workers, each gives me approximately 15 meters of ditch dug. And we know from math that if the marginal product of labor, the additional increment that that last worker adds, is greater than the average, the average product of labor is increasing and vice versa. And again, that's just from math. If the marginal contribution of the last worker is greater than the existing average, well, they're contributing the average plus more that I can spread across all the workers, which means the average goes up. And if the marginal product of labor is less than the average of the previous workers, that last worker has to borrow from the average of everyone else to get up towards that average, which means the average is being brought down. In the long run, there's an important concept called the marginal rate of technical substitution, or MRTS. And this tells us the trade-off between labor and capital necessary in order to stay on the same isoquant or produce the same amount. And it's a long definition, marginal rate of technical substitution, and it's only available in the long run because I'm trading labor for capital. But what it means if we break down the words is for small or marginal changes, how fast or what's the rate do you reduce capital in order to increase or substitute labor instead in the technology function? So marginal means small, rate means how fast, Technical means production technology, and substitute means capital for labor or vice versa. So marginal rate of technical substitution is just for small changes, how fast we have to trade off capital and labor in order to stay on the same isoquant. And the slope of that marginal rate of technical substitution, or MRTS, is the slope of the isoquant. And it's also the negative of MPL over MPK. Our isoquants are negatively sloped on the KL axis, and that slope is minus the marginal product of labor divided by the marginal product of capital. The final topic in production technology are scale economies. These are not economies of scale, but scale economies are a production function concept. If you increase all inputs by some amount, does output change by more, less, or same as the rate at which you increase the inputs? If your inputs double, and output doubles, that's called constant returns to scale. 
If inputs double and output more than doubles, that's increasing returns to scale. And if inputs double but output goes up by less than twice the amount, then you have decreasing returns to scale. The example I gave of doubling inputs for scale economies is just one example. We could do the same for increasing by 50% or tripling your inputs and seeing whether the output increases by more, exactly the same, or less than how much we increased our inputs. Most industries are believed to have increasing returns for low amounts of output and then decreasing returns for higher amounts of output. Again, as you are getting bigger and bigger, you have more opportunities to combine inputs in better, more efficient ways. But as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you've used up a lot of those efficiencies and you start to have redundancies and things, the inputs start to get in each other's way. In the long run, we believe that firms operate at the most efficient size or the most efficient scale for them to operate. If you think about a coffee shop, coffee shops are not the size of a large automobile factory. Coffee shops are the size they are because that's the most efficient size to provide coffee. On the other hand, automotive manufacturing facilities or facilities that manufacture dresses are large because that's the most efficient size to make them. That's production technology. We've only looked at what types of inputs we use and how we combine them. Next, we're gonna to move to look at the costs and that will be the next episode.